It was in 1975 when music legend Paul Schaefer joined the Saturday Night Live band during its debut year and also as an occasional not-ready-for-primetime player. It was 40 years ago back in 1982 when he became the music director of NBC's Late Night with David Letterman, and nearly 30 years ago next week when he moved to CBS with Dave to launch The Late Show. Paul's the musical director and producer of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony since its inception in 1986, which he will again lead this November as the hall inducts Pat Benatar and Neil Giraldo, Duran Duran, Judas Priest, Carly Simon, Lionel Richie, Dolly Parton, among many many others. And to talk about this amazing journey is Paul Schaefer. Welcome in, Paul. Well, am I ever happy to be with you. Good evening to you, sir. Great to talk to you. And and how's life after late night, for God's sake? Well, you know what? It was a little slower for a while. And then I got a call from an old friend, Seymour Stein, legendary music exec. And he said, how would you like to make a record? And things picked up, you know. Sure. Now I'm busier than ever. I, I got the uh, late show band from all those years in the I trenches with Dave. And I got to tell you, it was around like 1977, 78, when I was like 10 years old, seeing you now and then on Saturday Night Live on stage with your pal Bill Murray, Chicago's own Bill Murray. And I thought to myself, that guy is one cool cat. How about that? I mean, you were already speaking my language. <laughs> I antiquated anachronistic language when you were such a just a little kid. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I didn't, you didn't see much of me on Saturday Night Live, either. It was just you know, a little a bit here and to there. be in the background yeah. and, when Bill, and Bill Murray's thing and stuff. But, so that's so sweet of you to say, even when you were a kid, you had, you had good taste in, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> television musicians. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, I was looking at this because I know music has always been such a big part of your life and, and taking lessons when oh, you were a kid and stuff. But you got your big break was a Canadian production of Godspell back in 72 with the likes of Gilda Radner, Martin Short, Eugene Levy, Andrea Martin, Dave Thomas, right out of college. I mean, that must have been surreal. Well, it was. And I mean, it was like I had graduated college a year before and said to my parents, let me take, you know, a year to try show business and music and see if it works out. Otherwise, you know, I'll go back, I'll go to grad school. So I didn't know really, but... You know, the year was coming to an end, and just on a fluke, I got hired uh, to be the uh, conductor of this Godspell show. And it was an open call, you know. They just hired all the most talented people in town, and the funniest people. We were all about 22 years old. Wow. I, Martin Short, you know, uh, Eugene, the three of us are still best friends. Awesome. Andrea as well, uh, maybe the funniest of all of them. <laughs> we lost for Gilda, of course, so yeah. long ago. Yeah. But, you know, we're all still best friends, and still... Uh, make each other laugh on a consistent basis. And I don't know how I got so lucky. Just one of those things. Yeah. And then you did this other show. And then after that, you you, you know, you were on Saturday Night Live when it, when it actually premiered. How did that all come about? Like, how did that connection happen for you, Paul? Uh, after that Godspell show in Toronto, I became a, a Mr. Theater. I was doing shows, conducting <laughs> right. shows. Yeah. And a guy came in to play saxophone in one of the shows. It was Howard Shore. He's now a big, successful a film writer, mm-hmm. music writer, you know, scoring. But uh, at that time, he uh, was playing uh, shows, too. And then he turned out he was Lauren Michaels' friend who came down with him to put together the band for Saturday Night Live. Howard became a musical director. I, he already knew I was in town. I was working, still working for uh, Stephen Schwartz, the gospel composer. He, brought, he had brought me into town to play Broadway already, you know, by that time in, in New York. And Howard came in to do Saturday Night Live, called me up, you're already here. 
come down and play. And P.S., you know Gilda already, and, you know, yeah. Ackroyd and Belushi, and, you know, I knew the whole crowd. So it's very natural for me to start uh, writing for them and developing material for them. And then I became a uh, what they call the feature player in the in the fifth season and got on camera a little bit yeah. doing sketches. You did. And, I mean, obviously, you know, that show was so relevant back then and is even more relevant today, you know, with the political culture happening in our country. It was groundbreaking. It broke all the rules. What were those early days like? I mean, you know, I know I know it's like constant work. I mean, you're there, you know, six, seven days a week getting the show done. Well, nobody had a girlfriend or anything to, you know, to keep them from going and working all night there. None of us had anything to do, and it was the most exciting thing happening. Of course, it was a lot of fun to actually be able to get things on live television. You know, I worked on numbers, musical numbers that would get performed on the air. So tremendous, tremendously exciting. Working so hard, though, that you don't realize that the show was getting uh, well-known. It was getting successful, you know. All of a sudden, everybody became a star. Right. It was quite something, you know, for the first time. Didn't know how it was going to work. I couldn't even figure out how. How are we supposed to go on live? Yeah. What what a daunting, what a daunting thought, you know. It is, but that's People, how you know you're doing it. Yeah, you know, as I say, television. That's what it was in the '40s and '50s. I mean, so much of it was live, and that was really the norm. And then, and then, really, for almost two decades, you know, everything was pre-taped and edited down. But now you had this fast-moving show. I mean, you know, unlike anything that's ever been on on television before. And yeah, going live that late at night, it sounds daunting. Fun uh, to do. Yeah. I must say though that. Um, live, though it was, it was scripted, and it is scripted, and, you know, they stick to that script because they shoot it beautifully. They All their shots are planned. They don't want to miss anything. Uh, Letterman wasn't really live. It was taped earlier that day, around dinner time. Yeah. Uh, but that was so loose and spontaneous that it was almost like it was live. Yeah, really, even more like flying by the seat of your pants because there's no, you know, you're not reading a script. You are just improvising a lot of the time. It was really very, very exciting very, uh, to do Letterman too. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I think I probably first saw you doing the uh, the lounge singer skit with your buddy Bill Murray, and you reprised that role on the 40th anniversary. I, I know you know the origins of this Nick Nick the lounge singer because you've known Bill for so long. You know. Uh, I think he kind of developed it. Uh, Origin heard about Bill from his older brother, Brian, who had come to Toronto right after the Godspell of 73 okay. to put together a Second City stage show like they were doing in Chicago. Sure. Brian and I hit it off. We became friends. He said, you got to meet my brother, Bill. He's doing the show in Chicago. He does a thing where he does with another guy, a co- the comedy team of Alan and Rossi, who I used to see on the Sullivan Show all the time. Mm-hmm. One's, one a crazy monkey kind of a comic guy with wild hair, and the other guy a very suave lounge singer kind of guy who would sing a song first, and then the other guy would come out and crazy, you know, hey, wait a second, what are you doing here? I just finished my song. <laughs> and uh, when I got to New York, I met Billy, and we, you know, we started doing things together right away. Um, I was not on SNL. I had taken a year off to do a thing on a sitcom in Hollywood for a minute. That's a whole other story. Greg, Greg Evigan and Mickey Rooney. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, why, why must you remember what I tried so hard? <laughs> anyway, yeah. I came back, you know, when I came back from that show, 
Uh, Billy was on SNL. Yeah. Phenomenal. And the first thing I saw him do while I was away was shower mic, shower microphone. Remember those things? Yep, yep, soap, yep. Soap, shower soap uh, made in the shape of a microphone. <laughs> so, and, and there was Billy as a character who's like doing a show in the shower with the shower mic. <laughs> Uh, but then he goes a little too far. He brings his wife into the shower, you know, and then the guy <laughs> with whom she's having an affair, come on, get in here. You know, and yeah. I think that may have been the origin of it. And then he developed into it, uh, you know, Hey, there's, how about he's a real lounge singer? Yeah. And he has Paul on piano and he, and you know, he's at a ski lounge and stuff. And the, sure. the way Billy's mind works is, I don't know, it's sheer genius. We are talking to legendary musician Paul Schaefer, and there's more with him next on 720 WGN. Day Player 720 WGN, we're talking to music legend Paul Schaefer. You know, there's always been a Chicago connection with everything you have done, and you became good friends with Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi back in the day. You were supposed to be in the Blues Brothers movie, but there were some conflicts, and it just didn't happen. Well, of course, I I had put the band together, musician by musician, with John. Yeah. Uh, but I had a little conflict of schedule and was working with Bill Radner, making a record with her, and didn't get a record done in time, and I had to pull out on John, and oh my God, it was a, such a, a horrible situation for me. You know, and John and I had a big feud and uh, falling out, and we weren't speaking, and then we had a big reconciliation, though, and a happy ending, and we kissed and made up, and I rejoined the Blues Brothers for the big tour. Yeah, you did, yeah. Where I wish we rehearsed in Chicago at the Navy, the Navy Yards. Yeah. Wow. And played Pine Knob. That was our first job, I think. Oh, that's awesome. Right outside of Chicago. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. A lot of certain, a lot of connections. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mainly that list, that Chicago radio. Yeah. I'm telling you, that that was big for me as a kid. Big music. AM scene. radio. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the Navy. Big radio town. Absolutely. Still and I is. Guess, you know, a lot of people driving. Drive time must have been huge. Yeah, still is. Honestly, it still is. Uh-huh. Even with all the choices today, still is in Chicago. 82 came. You were offered the role to lead the band on Late Night with David Letterman. Did you know Dave before that time, or was that kind of a first oh, meeting? I I didn't, and I, you know, but I was familiar with him. And not only that, but he had had a show um, in the morning. The daytime show, right, right, right. Uh, first, yeah, a live in the morning on NBC. And um, I became familiar with that show, which was the funniest thing I'd ever seen, especially after they got canceled and they had to stay on the air doing shows for another month. (laughs) Well, they didn't care. At that point, they didn't care. And it got so off the wall that I said, who is this guy? And then I got that call. You know, that show didn't pan out a little too hip for the morning, but it contained, they were at Faith and Dave and they finally gave him a late night show even later than Johnny Carson, you know, boy, that's late. I said, that's for me. And sure enough, you know, I went in and met Dave cold and we hit it off and he hired me. And that, you know, that was the first time I met him. You know, and think about these two groundbreaking shows, because you said, you know, it was groundbreaking for that morning show to be on. It was groundbreaking, breaking all those things that Dave did. And then Saturday Night Live. And you were part of both of these really historic groundbreaking shows. And it's a perfect fit, Paul. I'm a real zealot kind of guy, aren't I? I turned up. I don't know how that happened. And before that, I was in Toronto for that groundbreaking God spell, which was yeah. by nature a show which took advantage of the, the performer's talents anyway. Mm-hmm. 
uh, everybody was doing impressions, all their impressions at that time, Groucho, you know, things like that, Laurel and Hardy. They would put them in the show. Any, you know, these kids were so talented and they could do Marty Short. I mean, he, some of the stuff, Sinatra, nobody, who was doing, what 22-year-old kid was, was doing Sinatra yeah. back in those days? Well, yeah. he was in the show. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, certainly a blessed, blessed life immediately. I've all, I love to laugh more, more, almost more than playing the piano, but not quite, you yeah. know, so I still get to do my favorite, my two favorite things. Fantastic. Absolutely. 30 years with Dave, uh, Late Night and Late Show. Yeah. You've played with everybody. I mean, you've played with everybody through the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, through the Late Night Shows, through SNL. You have played with the biggest and the best. And I know there's got to be some of the, like, top three in your mind that you revered when they walked on stage and you got to play with them. I think one of them may have been James Brown. Well, I've said it before, and of course I'll, I'll say it again right now. Yes, there was nothing like playing with him the first time in 1982. James Brown was one of the early guys who did did the show, actually called us and said, I'd like to come on. Wow. He heard me and the band playing his stuff, you know, going into commercial. And he came on and he also said, what songs would the band like to play with me? He let us pick. Our favorites, and boy, did we, we picked a few obscure ones, like Sex Machine. You still see it on YouTube because yeah. it was so hot yeah. that I never thought I could play like that. But when you start hearing that voice and him dancing a little bit, I mean, uh, you play like you never thought you could. So that's right up there. And otherwise, I don't know. You got kind of feel loyal to the, the early people that did it. Carol King did it early, wow. and Sly from the from the Family Stone. You know, that triumvirate right there, I don't think I ever topped that as far as getting to play with people that I idolized as a kid. Paul Schaefer, everybody. For more on what Paul is up to these days, visit thepaulschaefer.com. Paul, a blast hanging out with you. Thanks, pal. See you later. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you, Paul. All right. Much more ahead on 720 WGN.